Welcome to Reactive. I'm Khalil and I'm here with Rockbot. Hi everyone! <laughs> and with H. Gladagots. Hello. Hello. How are we I'm this week? Doing okay. Doing Pretty good. Right. Yeah. Cool. I think there's, I have this theory. I think there are like 25 different strains of cold virus going around. So, like, every time somebody, like, gets sick and then they get better, and then all of a sudden, like, two days later, they're sick again, I think it's just, like, I don't know. I, I Like, for me, at least, I, like, there have been multiple times in the last several weeks where I'm, like, oh, I'm getting sick, and so I'll, like, take a nap in the middle of the day or something, and then I'll wake up and feel a ton better, and the next two days, I'm great, and then all of a sudden, I'm feeling sick again. Like, what? So, I'm thinking, I think it's just multiple cold viruses. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway. Viruses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This has absolutely nothing to do with technology at all. Okay. Anyway. Well, it could, but yeah. <laughs> hey, this is life. This is the podcast yeah, the bugs. about life. Them. Exactly. <laughs> the bugs. bugs. Yeah. Um, actually, though, I did just read a really, really, really awesome uh, pastry box post about... Um, it was written by let me see if i can find it real quick um it was just it was really really good about just kind of process and um here it is i found it and it, it's a, it starts out by this uh so the person who wrote it, its name is kate daly and uh, she writes about it the, the title is called sentinel events and she starts out talking about how like the type of project manager that she is And et cetera. And like that there are two different types of project managers. There are bean counters. And then there are people who just make a lot of connections. Anyway, la, 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 la. The point is, at some point, she starts talking about nursing. And she's at a party and she's talking to a nurse. And the nurse talks about how she created this new tool, which in nursing language is really more of like a process and not actually like a physical tool. But she created this tool for for how to handle um, what's called a sentinel event. A sentinel event in 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 medicine is when a somebody dies unexpectedly, but in retrospect, it was completely preventable, right? So, like for example, somebody uh, goes in for one thing and then dies from something completely different, like completely avoidable, but no one was expecting it. It was, it's easy to call it a mistake, but it, it's not really a mistake, but from the perspective of the people who uh, are the loved ones of the person who died, it definitely looks like a horrific mistake. Anyway, so this is a thing that you definitely want to reduce the number of sentinel events. And one of the tools that the, the nurse came up with, like she created this tool, which was anytime something happens, Anybody on the team has the opportunity to say, okay, we need to have a quick debrief. And what they do is very quickly talk about how to, um, based on what they just saw, what, th what just happened, what went well, what didn't go well, and what, th what can they do to go, what, what can they do to improve? And just like this process has helped this one nursing medical team, uh, figure out things like, okay, well, when, Like, we need to make sure that we are aware ahead of time of, like, the code on the on the code cart. So, like, 
when someone's screaming at you, it's really hard to remember the password for the co- for the cart in order to like you know administer a, an electric shock for somebody who uh, like their heart has stopped beating. And those precious seconds of forgetting the code are like really dangerous because those could be the seconds between life and death. Like it would be completely preventable for a person to suddenly die uh, from like a heart attack because you forgot the code for the machine. So now they like make sure that the, the, the cart is always unlocked just in the event. And like in particular, this nurse works in a, in a natal intensive care unit. So it's like, like every second counts. Probably people aren't showing up just for funsies. They're, they're there for like a really important thing. Um, anyway, so she, the, the author of the pastry box post is like, this is amazing. Have you ever heard of agile development in software? <laughs> and the nurse is like, no, <laughs> I'm a nurse. And she's like, well, this is totally the principle of like agile de- development, like this whole notion of when something goes, like when something happens, let's let's have a quick debrief as quickly as possible as while it's still fresh in our minds and kind of go through and talk about what went well, what didn't go so great and what can we do to improve. And, and it was just a really fascinating kind of correlation between like how, at least for me, the way I read it was it doesn't matter what industry you're in, the process of of making things better overall, even when mistakes happen, uh, is really fascinating to me, right? Like it doesn't matter what industry you're in. This process of very quickly looking back and saying, okay, that could have gone better. How? Um, is, you know, I think it's embedded in anything that we do, not just, not just software development. Yeah, it is interesting that they... Well, the, the various industries, I guess, might be developing sort of similar things or the same things in parallel, maybe not knowing so much that they are actually doing that. But isn't the, the whole, um, you know, agile and, and well, lean and all that stuff, doesn't that come from the auto industry out of Japan originally? I think so. I think you're yeah. right. I mean, there's there's definitely, I mean, and that just proves my point even more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I don't know about agile, but Kanban definitely comes. Oh yeah, from yeah. There. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> agile has some elements, I think, from Kanban as well. But is but that actually the whole principle of agile development, as far as I know, comes from software development. But don't nail me down on that. No idea. Mm-hmm. But um, I think to your point. Um, Raquel, this whole thing about something happened and then talking about uh, why and how can we improve this, <clears throat> this is something that that I also only, like in in the working, like work environment uh, at jobs where I've worked, <clears throat> worked at, I've only encountered this kind of culture in in software development. So the company that I've, that I've worked for before my current company, um, we had re- retrospectives, like we, we, we mm. were doing agile development, development sort of as much as we could for this kind of client work we're doing. 
But what was interesting about that was that after, I think, one sprint, you always had a retrospective and the sprint could go like anything between one or two weeks, up to three weeks, depending on which project. And the retrospective was really this this that's amazing to me that that like actually is like common practice for a lot of <clears throat> software development companies and basically that's kind of what this nurse did right they had like small retrospectives and kind right. of wrote down like measures like what can we do for that let's decide right now and it's just like a, a group of people sitting together and being very candid um with like kind of a, a kind of an agreement that This is not about attacking anybody or whatever. This is just about improving the project and improving working <clears throat> mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And this is incredibly healthy. And it doesn't matter in which project or which work environment you are or even just life in general or any group of people you work with. Like to have this kind of culture is extremely useful and, um, This is something that that I that that is uh, really awesome that this is actually a common part of software development, so to speak. As le at, at least how, how I I have kind of experienced it in other in like other companies or other workplaces or other jobs. Like I haven't seen any of that at all. Really, there's just. Um, problems get kind of dragged out and people develop kind of um, negative sentiments towards each other and stuff like that. And it's just, it's, it's just extremely unhealthy. And uh, yeah, so I really, um, I, I really was very impressed by this kind of um, element of software development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that what you um, NPM does as well? Uh, definitely, yeah. At at the end of every project release, we try to do a retrospective, which hilariously there's only been like two, but still, um, it's really fascinating. And of course, just like Khalil said, you start off the the retrospective, and uh, first of all, you have to. It's one of those meetings where you're like, oh, I hate meetings, but. Uh, this one's a really good meeting and it's worth having it for like two solid hours, longer than two hours and people just stop paying attention. But um, you start out with nobody's pointing fingers at anyone. It's simply a, like, we're just making observations. And, um, and, it's, and I think it's really important to have the what went well column as well because it's so easy to be like, well, this went wrong and this went wrong and this was terrible and blah, 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 blah. Um, Yeah, it's super important. It's, it's super important to remember, like, things went really, really, really well, too. Um, and and to then, once you identify the things that went wrong, to talk about, well, how can we make this better in the future? And um, and if you only, cut, like, walk out of that room with, like, two or three things that you can do to improve, like, that's fantastic. Um, and so it's it's really interesting... And, and fascinating. The one thing I would say, though, is that it's easier to have a retrospective with, with a smaller group of people. Um, too many voices in the room can make it like it'll, it'll drag everything along and everyone's like, oh, I, I have my opinion, too, and I want to speak up and I want you to hear me. And of course, everyone deserves to be heard. And so everyone's like being really polite and listening to everybody else. But it's like 
next thing you know, you're an hour three and you're like, oh my goodness, we haven't gotten anywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, I think to keep it short is, yeah. is, is super important and the small group as well, because I've only experienced yeah. this unfortunately once and it didn't go very well. It was with, uh, mm-hmm. we called it like the post project review and it was after a very, very long project and uh, yeah. it was with practically the whole company and it was horrible because it, oh, it, it, it ended up being like, yeah. yeah, it ended up yeah. being, well, they called it, you know, a post project review and the project, you know, went six, seven, eight months, something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but this is uh, not yeah. practical. Exactly. Yeah. So hence I'm saying it was horrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I can definitely yeah. believe that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can, it can be really good though. I mean, and, um, I think our retrospectives have been really nice. It helps too to have somebody uh, be in charge of it who's not connected to the project, um, because when you're connected to the project, then you also have opinions on how things should or shouldn't be, and blah blah blah. And then you end up skewing things a little bit towards your perspective. Whereas somebody who is not involved with the project at all can step back and and say okay we've heard a lot from this camp can we hear from somebody else from the other camp or like let's you know we've hit this we've hit all these different things multiple times you know let's move on or you know whatever and um so yeah retrospectives are good and i'm glad that they're doing in them in the in the health industry as well because no that's awesome yeah i mean really really every industry would need it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the official tip for all the other industries that listen listen to Reactive. <laughs> Implement. <laughs> Implement. Implement retrospectives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what else is going on this week? Well, we put out the uh, latest descriptive episode. Fun. Woo. Yes. Um, we interviewed Ed Finkler. He's a... Uh, a PHP developer and uh, a very, very interesting character, I think. Um, I find him pretty funny, and um, I sort of have been following what he's doing or what he's up to for, for several years now, I think, my goodness, 2009 or something like that. And um, like I said, he's a, he's a PHP dev. He started out with that and then sort of moved into um, Python, or first JavaScript, and then also some Python and uh, now is back in, in, in PHP land. So I thought that was quite interesting how that progressed. And he's also a podcast host, and he does a podcast called The Dev Hell. So it's dev slash hell. And uh, he, d- <laughs> <laughs> he does this with a, a Canadian. Uh, his name is uh, Chris Harches, and he calls himself the Grumpy Programmer. And um, he's also very, very, very vocal um, testing. That's his, his shtick, mm-hmm. I guess. He's, uh, he's like the testing dude in the PHP land. And, um, that's why he calls himself the grumpy programmer and everything he does is grumpy. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> these two guys are, are really funny to listen to. They swear like crazy on the podcast and, uh, talk about everything. Um, so it, it goes into all kinds of places. And, uh, what, what happened? Um, I think it was, I don't know, three years ago, Ed basically was talking about um, the things that he was dealing with in his personal life, which was um, basically depression and I think he said adult um, attention deficit disorder. Mm-hmm. So he, he basically came out on this podcast and said, here's what I'm dealing with and have been dealing with 
my whole life. And um, it was, I mean, I can totally understand how that's probably their most successful and most listened to episode ever because it totally blew me away. He just, you know, talked about it for an hour as if it was nothing. And, um, you know, it's something really, really gutsy to do, I think, yeah. uh, to come out and say that and, um, you know, have that be out in the open. But the thing that I find so awesome is that the response he got from it was overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically people coming out and thanking him for doing that and, uh, you know, being so brave, in my opinion, um, to to basically talk about this in public. And what he he sort of mulled over, um, you know, for, for quite some time is how does he continue this or what, what does he make out of it? And what he did was he started basically talking at it at conferences. So he, he pitched talks to tech conferences about this subject and how, how he deals with it, how it affects him and how, you know, employers might support their employees and just basically bring awareness to this, this subject. And, um, he basically started a, uh, what is it? Indie? It's, I can't remember what it is. It's not Kickstarter, but it's one of those um, fundraising things. And he, he was collecting money to basically do these um, conference tours. And he's been very, very successful with it um, and has ha- had a great response. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in hearing more about that, go and take a listen. I think it's a really good episode. Cool. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was really cool. Uh, yesterday was Karlsruhe JS. Um, mm-hmm. That was cool. Little meetup with the Karlsruhe peeps at uh, <laughs> Citrix uh, uh, offices. Was that the first time at Citrix? First time at Citrix and very impressive kind of offices. Like it's so modern. They just moved in and it's just like a new building and it's in a beautiful. It's a. It's a. It's. I think it's actually it's kind of a mixed architecture with like old building, like new building built into an old building or whatever, and then inside like the offices are just crazy. I've never seen like this kind of modern kind of design and setup for for an office. It was pretty cool. I didn't know they were in well had an office in Germany. I guess is it the they, only one or they no they have like something in Berlin I think or in Munich. But this is they have the most developers. What's funny is that in Karlsruhe there was a company called NetViewer which did um, screen sharing as well, which they do also at Citrix with GoToMeeting and webinar blah 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 stuff and. Um, uh, Citrix bought NetViewer, and then that became like the development department in Germany for this for these kind of technologies. Uh-huh. So, yeah, because yeah, we had the the Citrix building right across the pond in Fort Lauderdale when I was working down there. Oh, was interesting. Okay. Yeah, but I guess you know, got offices all over the place. Yeah, of course, especially in America, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, so we had some cool talks again. It was like a mobile development talk and, uh, I was kind of sharing uh, his kind of learnings. And also, he also had us play a game at the end where everybody got, like, you could visit this URL and then you had like, everybody had the same question popping up. It was like a JavaScript quiz and you had like three options and it, they were all like trick questions. Like whenever you would, you would just look at it re- really quickly. You only had a few seconds time or whatever. I had to choose quickly. And like, I had, I think I had 
all of them were wrong. It was just <laughs> terrible. I didn't How even did he, did I, I didn't he, even show up on the leaderboard at all. Did he make Oh, so he made did he make the game? He made the game, yeah. Nice. And he like and it has like communication to us to the server and like every and is collecting all the results and making a leaderboard and all this kind of stuff and very cool. It was pretty cool. Well, it was very nice. <laughs> and then there was more there was TypeScript and there was more TypeScript it was a very TypeScript kind of focused evening as well, which was also interesting. Got a lot of people interested in TypeScript and stuff, so that was cool. Yeah, I saw the tweets nice. about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, TypeScript. Uh, like the tooling with TypeScript, once you see it in action, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty. Um, how, how do you say? Um, se- se- seductive yeah. <laughs> for, for JavaScript developers. I don't know that. I don't know that software should be seductive. I, it's like people saying, "Like, wow, this thing is so sexy." It's like, no, no, yeah, I don't okay. Think it is. But what I mean by that is that it's it's very attractive. So <laughs> for not not in a in this kind of way but as for 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 a tool for working right. <laughs> yeah no right. it's it's uh, it's really impressive what what they did uh, with with their like intellisense stuff combined with typescript uh, the microsoft people so that was cool right. um yeah and other than that um i i was listening to this podcast it's called this week in startups um and it's just, you know, um, this guy, Jason Calacanis, interviewing startup founders, mostly. And I this was a very interesting startup that he interviewed, which is called Gigster. And this kind of was kind of a little bit mind-blowing for me, or, or at least like, not mind-blowing, but maybe a little bit. Let's, let's stay with that term. Um, because, so what I... I I used to work in like client services, right? And um, what they're doing, I'm just going to explain what they're doing. And what they're doing is um, from the view of a client who, who wants to do, has a startup idea and has some money or a company that wants to want some sort of a, like a software product or web product or an app or something built, they go to the website, the Gigster website, and they um, they can pop open a, a chat window and they can chat to like a sales engineer, and they can say, okay, look, I have this, I have this idea for um, for this app that um, where I press a button and then you know you get your pizza delivered, whatever, something like that, right? So like super like Uber for pizza or whatever. And, um, and so the, so the sales developer, uh, would, would kind of go through different points. Okay. What do you want to have in that app? So you want to see when the driver, where the driver is on a map, you want to have a chat window or something. You want to, uh, maybe have like a rating for the driver, um, and the dri- or for the pizza or whatever, like all those kind of different points. And they can kind of click off some stuff in their backend, the Gigster kind of backend. And within like minutes during that conversation, they create uh, a proposal, including a guaranteed amount of money that they will ask. So it will never go over that for whatever the, for, for whatever the proposal is, the features that they talked about and that are in there. They have, for instance, it's like a proposal for um, 20,000, like this app for pizza, Uber for pizza, like 20,000 
um, dollars for an iOS app with these features, da 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 da. And it's a pretty short kind of document. It's not like a 400 pages thing. It's a few pages, eight pages or something like that. And um, and they and the client has the proposal immediately. And when he says yes, he will get exactly that built by the, by uh, a team of a team of. Develop, well, designer, developer, and maybe maybe one or two developers or whatever, whatever, and they will build that within the time frame specified, and will get that delivered. And if they want to have anything more, they will do go through the same process. Basically, you will say, okay, this is great, but I want this feature and that feature, and and then the person will say, okay, well, this will take us two more weeks, and it will cost two thousand dollars on top of whatever you paid already. And they say, and then they can agree or not agree to that, and it gets built. And it's more. It's mostly for, you know, like kind of software that is currently being built mostly by agencies, by digital agencies, but it's also something that repeats itself a lot, especially like, you know, like companies sometimes want like their own internal Twitter or they want to have something like a shop that has like a Facebook stream. So it's, it's stuff that had like things that have been invented already and have become kind of generic things in our world. Um, of social media and stuff like that. So maybe you want to have the Facebook for cats or whatever. So these kind of things, they have free, the developers that work, that take those jobs at Gigster, they are freelance developers, but they are kind of vetted and they know whatever their specialty is very, very well. And, uh, they can actually deliver that stuff on time. And, uh, and, um, and Gigster basically guarantees that the client doesn't have to, it will never go over that budget. That means that sometimes Gigster will make a little bit of a loss or whatever, but mostly it's, it pans out because they, they make, um, they make profit on most of the projects. And on top of that, what was kind of interesting, the interesting twist ab about this is that they can do that because they have like a machine learning element that the more projects they do, the more kind of, uh, feature and feature, features and feature aspects they get into their system that they already basically did. And they know exactly how much time, how much time this took in this kind of context and so forth. And this machine learning thing will learn how to better estimate those projects, um, quickly. And, um, that, that kind of change totally, totally changes the game of, you know, making software for a client like that. So digital agencies that are very like that. The, in comparison, um, what they basically said was that some agencies, they need like two or three weeks to come back with an estimate. There's the sales guy, he has to go to the developer and the developer maybe only has time in, in like in, the, in a week or whatever. And then he needs or she needs like a half a day or a day to kind of pan out all these things that need to be made for this product. And then they, they make an estimate and, um, and then it's not even clear if they even get the project and had so much invested in this already. And then also what agencies sometimes tend to do is that they come up with like very bloated proposals. Like for instance, they had this, um, they had this, this person that came to them and said, okay, we have a proposal by this agency and it's 400,000. Can you make it cheaper? And they said, well, we can do it for 50,000. And then this, those people, went with the agency, of course, because that can't be true, <laughs> which is very funny. And, um, 
and uh but this 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 shows like how crazy this world is and for me like i find like the kind of like the 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 most developers that work at for client services um that i've met that i've talked to they're mostly very frustrated because because of how poorly there's this disconnect between the developers and the salespeople that talk to clients and um, it's more sales driven driven than technology driven and and like there is a disconnect and it's not very efficient how this those businesses run and developers are often confronted with um, weird kind of um, requirements that they have to do um, that are driven by weird communication and, and not really research uh, uh, researched requirements do you really need that is that really better than the current site la, 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 all this kind of stuff I mean we've talked about this a little bit already um, so there's a lot of um, projects that are being built that are very useless and overpriced and this is kind of a market that will kind of regulate at some point and I think this is kind of a point where this starts to happen because they're using basically um, uh, software also to improve this whole process to serve the customer better and at the same time also also mitigate problems for the, for the developer because the developer now doesn't like the customer doesn't in this case with Gigster doesn't decide anymore what technology is being used or whatever that's all all kind of the developer decides that and they work with the stuff that they know best and can do well. And then, and then they also don't like the, the what the features are well defined and they have like this whole backend and system that kind of, kind of does a good job of kind of helping them to, to make, to make a nice package out of this. And, um, but so this has to, or this requires that, that the software that is being asked to be built is, um, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it, but it's it consists out of well-known elements that they know how long they would need to, you know, either put existing stuff together or write something for it. It um, it has to be like it has to be like fairly generic, but also right. it doesn't have to be like too generic, like not just like a weird website for with like a shop or whatever. It has to be something maybe that that is But it's for not that a, it would work really really well. I can see that, right? When yeah. You just have to create a website with X amount of pages and that I think would be very but Easy apparently or, or already, it already works for, for little apps, for startups, like, you know, this whole Uber for pizza or Uber for dogs, dogs or whatever. The thing is, when it comes to, like, super specific things, you know, like, I don't know, like, building, like, the hosting backend for Netflix or whatever, like, of course, that wouldn't work, right? But, but, but I, I feel, so my impression was that, that a lot of, I mean, I've seen very generic, kind of very repetitive requests in the in the whole client services world coming in all the time. Like, you know, it's a shop, but then it's a shop with like social media characteristics or something like that, right? And then right. and then the other thing is just a shop, and then the other thing is, uh, what could it be? A marketing website, or you know, or or now it's a like it's the products website for this or then there sometimes it was startups and then the startup had this idea basically it was again another shop but it's just for chocolate and you can customize it and stuff like that it's just so many things that repeat itself over and over and over and over and that's like that's like 95 percent 
of of all the requests that come in. And, and when it's more specialized, then often they go to really specialized kind of you know companies that can then provide a specialized service. Yeah, because I think if it, I mean, I don't, yeah, don't want to say that you know certain spe- software is more special than others, but um, it's it sometimes it takes a long time to figure out what the person asking actually wants because they don't even know themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. So that to me seems, well, I guess, yeah, it seems like a big risk for them to, to make a a fixed bid on something when the, the customer might not exactly know what they want yet. Yeah. But they make a fixed bid um, based on specific features that are requested Mm-hmm. And and that they already have in their system, and um, I think they can they get they go a long long way with that. But it it has happened that you know they went over budget or whatever sometimes. But then yeah, they those, can, they have the machine learning. I'm curious who eats the cost if it's their. It's not the client. It's it's really it's Gigster as far as I understood. But is it Gigster or the contract developer? No, it's Gigster. Because ah, the contract okay. developer, they make like an, they get paid hourly, I think, by Gigster, or was it? No, I did. No, I think uh, that part I'm not 100 percent sure. I they think get, they're on a fixed thing too. I looked at the site just briefly because it, their their marketing no, they're, they're, language was like too. you know, depending on how good you are, you can you know make up to X number of dollars per hour. Yeah, they had they were like talking that. about how people, some people like students that make like 500 bucks an hour or whatever. Yeah, because they work quickly and. But I think that they really they 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 live off of the genericness of mm-hmm. most of the requests that come in, and that is when it comes to client services and that what what agencies more, mostly are, are you know hired for, they're mostly extremely um, or surprisingly actually surprisingly generic kind yeah. of jobs. Yeah, I With, think it's really. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go Sorry. ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that. I think it sounds to me like Gigster is making a lot of bets, a mm-hmm. lot of really interesting bets in terms of. So yes, on the one hand, uh, if it's if it, uh, I agree. I've, I've worked in client services before, and a lot of times people are asking for pretty much the exact same thing, right? They're asking for a website with a blog with a unique design, which basically means as long as you know, as long as you get the design, the website and the blog, it's just it's just a PHP. It's just like you know, or it, it's just like a WordPress site or whatever, right? And so you can just yeah. knock those out really easily. Um, but in this case, the especially with the idea of like being able to track the movement of a car or whatever, like that's a pretty that's a that again that's a specific common feature that especially as we have more delivery services is going to be a thing. Um, but I think they're also making a huge bet uh, in terms of uh, communication between the client and the sales rep, rep because so many times I've worked with clients who have this vision in their head of this thing. Mm-hmm. And then the sales rep or project manager will work with them, try to understand the best that they possibly can, and then we deliver something. And then the client's like, that is not what I asked for. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, this is what I, this is what I wanted. I wanted this. I wanted this. No, right. but this wasn't it at all. And you're like, oh my god, this is what we agreed to. But I mean, he, the human brain is a fascinating piece of 
uh, meat. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Tasty. No, I'm <laughs> And then they're also betting on the fact that uh, any developer, unless they know ahead of time who the developer is going to be on the project, they're they're betting that any developer is going to be able to make uh, is going to be able to do something in a certain amount of time as in part of as part of their quote. And um, and that's a really interesting bet because a student who has you know a bunch of time and is really bored at school. Uh, is going to be able to maybe churn out some code really quickly, but do they have the testing practices necessary? And so, like the next bet that they're making is, where's the QA? Does it matter? And what what's going on there? And then the fourth bet, and this is something that uh, you know is a little bit closer to my own personal experience, is the machine learning piece. In order to have an accurate machine learning algorithm, you need to have as much data as possible. So at at the beginning, of course, things are going to be a little bit wonky, like they're going to try a couple of things, they're going to lose a bit of money, this is why investment is necessary. But now they're making a bet that they're going to figure it out quickly enough that they're going to be able to uh, move the, the machine learning bit fast enough and client work, like, projects are going to come in fast enough that they're going to be able to turn that, like put that into the machine learning and have that, you know, just constantly churn out and constantly improve it. Like the speed at which you need to do the work so that you can make the machine learning work so that you can get more work. That cycle needs to be high uh, density, but short period of time uh, in order for this business to be sustainable. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think that's a really massive bet that they're making hmm. right now. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I think if that works, it's it would be amazing. I, mm-hmm. I just have some, yeah. I guess I don't know enough about it to to understand how it would work. But I agree that it's it sounds very risky to me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds super risky to me. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah. it's cool. I mean, they have, they, they, of course, like Silicon Valley is kind of jumping on, on, on this because they, they love the idea, you know, for basically startups. Like this could mean that with a little money, uh, somebody with an idea now can, can kind of get to a prototype really, really quickly and not to a really, not more than a prototype, maybe like a, like a version 1.0 or whatever of their product. Really, really quickly. And that means that, you know, like more startups can be built more, can, can, you know, be born and die really quickly. (laughs) And, uh, so, so they are, they definitely don't seem to have any problems getting, um, getting money from investors. And, uh, so that side is pretty much covered. So they, they, they have, uh, some good runway and also, but what they also bring to the table is lots and lots and lots of experience in that like client services field. And also apparently in the AI kind of machine learning kind of area. So I don't know anything about this, but I I find your, you know, like your concerns very, very interesting. And yeah, it's definitely, I'm, I definitely want to kind of keep an eye on it and see how they do, in the in the future they were saying that they they had like i think um hundreds of pro of projects per month and they, i think they exist like six months or whatever 
And I think they do hundreds or so a month, and I guess the low hundreds or something. And but expect to like this become very quickly become a thousand projects or whatever. Yeah, I mean, what you were saying earlier about the startups, of course, if if they were to able if they were able to establish themselves as as a trustworthy company that you know does things in good quality at a reasonable cost that is way lower than <clears throat> than agencies. Yeah. That would really be amazing because then you can have all these non-technical people, they don't have to go searching for um technical partners in their in their businesses. Yeah. Necessarily or at least not not to start with and right. could get something up and running really fast. Yeah. If that works, that would be yeah. that would be cool. Henning, are you are you saying that San Francisco will see the end of somebody <laughs> standing up in a coffee shop saying, I seek a technical co-founder who's with me. Very, very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's still going to happen. But uh, I was just thinking of something that I did uh, two years back, you know, basically partnered with uh, someone in the medical profession and uh, tried to get something off the ground. Um, and there was just not, not enough, um, yeah, technical expertise with me alone to get that to work in enough time, I guess, to do that on the side. But we could have set aside, you know, a chunk of money and said, okay, somebody else do this and see if it works. Probably would have gone much faster. At least either we would have, you know, been successful or we would have found out a lot faster that it doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Because the thing is, you know, when you when you have people that develop stuff, they uh, become very, very sort of attached to it. And I think that's what that's kind of what happened to me, too. It's like um, you don't really want to change direction or you you think you have the solution for it and you sort of hang on to it. And uh, if you had it done outside, that might not happen. So mm-hmm. anyway. That would be very interesting to to find. I think honestly, I think the person standing up in the coffee shop that will go away. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that will go away. Cuz I think I think that as developers like like it's there's I think that also there's going to be less jobs for developers that have like a like sh- like a mediocre knowledge in a full stack or something like that you know and there's going to be the the need for specialists is 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 never going to go away maybe going to become even more but i think that the more um generic the less the more will be automated of course because this is software world right like we will like everything will be automated that can be automated and it seems like this is like this is like a half autom- not really automation but the, like certain problems in the communication are trying they're trying to to limit that they're also trying to they also they're offering reason more reasonable prices and um I think there's like yeah. I think that if they don't make it something like there will be there will be a tipping point. I think where this will where this will uh, change. I think 
where it's not going to be that mis mysterious anymore. It will be easier. There will be much more tools that you can just put together and, and common like, and it's, it's like how they were talking about it. It was already like, they were like this, th those common things that, you know, like a typical, a typical Uber for pizza would need, you know, like this thing with the driver, the rating system, the chat, like those, like there's a lot of startup ideas that need those particular little things in their, in their iOS app or Android app or whatever. And also the fact that they put together a team immediately, right? There's like things like Odesk where you can hire freelancers and Gigster just, they, you don't just, you, you hire a team that does your whole thing. So there's a designer in that team and the necessary developers. And then they work together and all this stuff. So they definitely, they, this is really something new and a, a novel approach. And it seems like uh, inevitable somehow, I think, that this happens. I, th I th find this really fascinating, because especially because I experienced so much frustration in this disconnect between clients and then this sales or management level and the developer, developers in client services. And I've seen that being repeated in so many other companies over and over and over. And this is just something that just doesn't make any sense. But I was, I was wondering, um, so I'm just thinking of things like, I don't know, to stick with the, the example of Uber, you know, it's not just a little app. It's a whole backend system and, you know, or think of NPM. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not a trivial thing. You can't just, no, no, you know, I don't see how, how those people, you know, or the, the, the business person standing up in a coffee shop asking for technical founders is going to go away. I mean, those kind of things, I don't know. Do you really see that being done by an agency? I think I think it's definitely going to become less. I guess it's it's not going to go away for a long time, but it's definitely going to become uh, much much less. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be like the the relationship between the developer and and his or her code is going to become uh, also less romantic, and it's just going to be more and more and more like. Yeah, I think just certain parts are just going to become more uh, generic. But yeah, mm. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that they're trying, and and also mm -hmm. yeah. definitely yeah, totally interesting. Totally, totally. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, we're we're running low on time. Um, mm. I know we wanted to shout out to some new members. Yes, we have. On the Slack channel? Yeah, we have uh, one new member. And that is. Yay! Uh, let me see. Uh, this is Italo Acasas. Yeah. I think I did it. I pronounced it. Yeah. As good as. I think as it's. Possible. Uh... So, shout outs. Yeah. You. All Yay! right. And I think we have a uh, new review. Ooh! Um, Yay! That's awesome. Yes, by F. Anderson. <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> it's with a Z. Yeah. Uh, great, re great weekly discussion, mostly about web technology and culture. Um, Reactive is an informative and entertaining, casual discussion about what's been going on the last week, 
in the world of web, JavaScript, and general lives of the hosts. Highly recommended. Did I read that one last week already? No, it seems familiar. No, I don't think so. No. It okay. sounds it sounds similar, similar but I yeah. don't think it was the same person. Yes. So at least we're consistent. It's, it's December <laughs> it's December fifth. So So yeah. yeah. So there you go. Cool. Fido at least, still works. At least the messaging. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the messaging is consistent. We it's are cool good. people who talk about things every week. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Awesome. Yay! Lots of stuff happening in the Slack chat. So uh, if you want to join in uh, in the fun, then uh, definitely make your way into the Slack chat. There's been some coding challenges going on with the advent of code. And also, Silas is currently working on like the web interface to Fido, which is super exciting. Yeah, he's yeah. been super busy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. Well, he's also been super bored. Uh, <laughs> he mentioned... <laughs> A bunch of times. So he was like, oh, he was through his advent of code challenge and said, I'm bored. What should I do? And I said, okay, official reactive coding challenge. Make a front end for Fido. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he started, he took it on, which is very cool. Very cool. So yeah. hopefully we can get something, something kind of better-ish running mm-hmm. soon. That would be cool. Nice. Very cool. Sweet. Excellent. Awesome. Okay, well, cool. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. And other things? Any other quick things that people want to mention? Uh, so I, I, I saw you were, I wanted to ask you, uh, you were tweeting uh, about, you had like, like mini tweet rants. Yeah, I've done a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, little. I call them. I call them little little Twitter streams. Just a little nice, little little like you know, thoughts about things. Yeah, here and there, dropping some knowledge here and there. (laughs) Was there anything special that triggered that, or was it just thoughts that Um, went through your head? What exactly are you talking about? Yeah. So so uh, over the last few days, there have been a, a couple of little little streams of Twitter thought, uh, <laughs> connected Twitter thought that I, uh, I put out on the, into the world. Um, basically there, I just, so it's difficult, right? Cause there, there are, I, I don't want to like name any names. There was definitely some subtweeting going on in there. Uh-huh, that much uh-huh. is true. Um, wow. but, uh, basically Basically, what happened was there were some people talking about diversity and what that means. And um, in particular, there was there was one there's one incident where somebody was like, yay, we are so super diverse. We are all types of diverse. Uh, We diversity all the things. (laughs) And I'm like, like. In general, that's a very great thing to have and do, and and diversity is multidimensional, and I applaud every single one of those dimensions. Um, But when the specific person who said that uh, was referring to a a group of people whose entire version of diversity is a bunch of white dudes who live in different countries, many of them as expats... um, (laughs) Oh, I just what? don't think that is 
like my, my tweet was, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> like you the notion of, of yeah. yeah, it's like, I don't know that that means what you think it means. Um, Cause you know, like it's, it's one thing to say, okay, we have a, an international group of people. And yes, if your if your product is global, then absolutely having an international group of people, that's the kind of type of diversity you need for sure. No doubt about it. Um, but, but if, if your version of like international diversity, quote unquote, is a bunch of white native English speaking people who live as expats in Asia and, uh, you know, uh, Europe and whatever, like that doesn't really count just because you live in a country doesn't automatically and like live in a country for six months doesn't automatically make you an expert on the people of that country. Um, I don't know that you get to tick that off on your little box uh, or you get to tick off that little box as, you know, on your checklist. Um, also not to mention that this particular company has no women at all. Um, maybe has one in HR or something, but d- certainly no women in any technical roles. And, um, and and it's it's just a little bit difficult. And I had I had one person tweet at me and they were like, well, what about if you have... Uh, like it, it also depends on the context, right? Um, diversity in context is really important. So when you're an American company and you talk about diversity, there's something very different than you know being from say India and talking about diversity. Um, in particular, so for example, my my mother grew up in in Puerto Rico, which is a, a tiny island in the Caribbean. Uh, everybody who's born there is a U.S. citizen. But it's a Spanish-speaking country um, with, and, and so it, it's a it's it's a Latin country, um, <clears throat> and she talks a lot about how she was never a minority until she came to the U.S. Because you, when you grow up in a country of people who look like you, then you're not really a minority. You don't know what that means. You are a member of the majority, and so there's a whole slew of experiences that you don't necessarily have compared to somebody who's in the majority of another country where you would have been the minority, if that makes any sense at all. Um, so, so like just this whole notion of what is diversity and what does that mean? Um, if you're, if your plan is to get a bunch of varied experiences and different backgrounds, then you can't just look at it as, well, the location of our people is different and therefore we are diverse. It, it goes much, much deeper than that. And it really calls into question, what are you trying to say <laughs> about your company just because your IP addresses are all different? Because I could say, you know, well, everybody at my company has a different color hair and therefore we are diverse. It's like, Yes. It seems bizarre to me that someone would actually believe that or, you know, and say something like that. That's odd. I think it is. Yeah. I think, I think it, it, it really comes down to how are you trying to sell your company and how are you trying yeah. to, you know, it's, it's all words. It's mm-hmm. all words and, and marketing and trying to appease the right people. Um, because the thing is, if you don't have to show your employee roster, then, you know, um, <laughs> you can just say anything. Then who will ever know? You can yeah. say whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can say we have 
uh, a menagerie of Australian animals at the NPM office <laughs> until you visit. Will you know? No, you won't never know. You won't know if we have a wombat and a platypus and a quokka in the closet. You won't. You don't know. So there. <laughs> you know a lot of names of animals from Australia. It's very impressive. Because they're really adorable. Yeah. Also, they're, they're really in, the, in, the fluff, in the fluffy department. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Actually, that's right. That's a really good idea. I'm going to start a new department at NPM, <laughs> the fluffy department. Cool. And, and they get all the cool jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, you know, I'm going to have the, the, the chief cuddle officer and, nice. and the, <laughs> the chief snuggle officer and the, <laughs> the, VP, the VP of, of like, of sleep, of dreaming <laughs> and sleeping, like, like a little kicking. That that dogs do when they're sleeping. Anyway, <laughs> cool. Uh, this this is great. I'm, I I look forward to seeing that on the roster of NPM. JS Yeah. Well, now I have to. I just have to um, hijack the 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 what's it called the employee uh, the org chart. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The organization chart. Yeah. And then I'll just I'll just add an extra piece at the end a branch yeah you know. add a branch uh, at the top i would say not at the end <laughs> yeah oh no totally i mean yeah. they just need to report directly to the ceo <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's the, how that should work yeah um yeah cool. the fluffy department <laughs> indeed all right all right well my friends. <laughs> i'm glad we could get there um yes and uh Yeah. Yeah, and we have to start the petition for uh, rock.bot. So there is the .bot TLD coming soon, apparently, all driven by um, Amazon for whatever reason. And uh, so they had this thing where, like, write to this email if you want to find, you know, know about news, blah, 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 what's coming up. So I did that because, like, we we need to make sure that uh, you get rock.bot. I mean, that would be amazing yeah, if I be could. Very cool, yeah. uh, <laughs> so anybody from the reactive community, keep your eye out for that and uh, let's make that happen. Yeah. yeah. If it's not a thousand yeah, bucks per, per year or whatever. Right. Totally. And, and it's also important to remember that um, the, there, are, there are other rock bots who are going to want rock.bot and, and we have to prevent them. They uh, can't have it. Two that I can think of. Yeah. And no, two that I can think of, there's one that's a company. Mm-hmm. And they have rockbot.com, so they can just, you know, be happy with that. Exactly. And then uh, there's, a, there's a rockbot who's an admin on Freenode, on IRC. Uh-huh. So we just uh-huh. need to make sure that, you know, Freenode doesn't try to steal it for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Okay. Internet, help me. <laughs> yeah. You can do this. We can do this together. <laughs> exactly. And with that... I would say we're signing off. Uh, yes. I am Khalil yes. Tweets on the Twitters, and we are Reactive Pod on the Twitters and Reactive.audio on the URLs. And you can find all the show notes there. And you can talk to us and you yes. can come into the Slack chat. And, and uh, that's awesome. Yes, yes. totally. Uh, and I'm, I'm at Rockbot on Twitter. And, um, uh, Honestly, if you if you tweet at me, I am like ninety nine percent 
there's a 99% chance that I will respond. So just FYI, if you cool. send me a really adorable, uh, you know, gif of um, the next employee of the cuddle department at NPM, <laughs> uh, let me know. Um, and, you know, that will be the application process, actually. Uh, only only fluffy animals may apply. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're an equal opportunity employer, regardless of what country um, or, or, you know, et cetera. Uh, no bugs, please. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I don't think there's yeah. very many cuddly bugs. <laughs> I don't think so either. And I'd yeah. really rather not find out. <laughs> All right. I'm H. Gladigots on Twitter. And uh, if you have a moment, we would really appreciate a review on iTunes. So uh, go to the show notes. There's a link there that'll take you straight there and leave us a review. Thank you. And I'll talk to you next week. Yay. Bye, everyone. <clears throat> Bye. Bye. You did I feel like heading like 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 you paused yourself like I paused I'm not myself. gonna do it. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna wait till Khalil says something. I'm not gonna be cute today. Yeah. <laughs>